Hi, I'm Jennifer. And I'm Matt. This podcast is your regular dose of uplifting, inspiring, and motivating life changing tips and success strategies to help you create the wealth, health, lifestyle, passion, and prosperity for your own life that you want to create. Welcome to the Prosperity Project. What is it about money that can make us feel powerless or empowered? Now, obviously, Matt and I, through this podcast, have shared a number of experiences that we've had with money and challenges and overcoming them. But today, we want to talk you through seven money truths that I believe will change your life in 2022. So I think at the start of a new year, it would be wrong to assume that we all don't write some kind of money goal. Money, I think the quote is, is only second to breathing as important in the world that we live in. I think more so that money has a, a position almost of like a godlike figure for a lot of people. And so a lot of the money mindsets or habits that we've learned over the past couple of years is really dependent on us thinking differently and challenging lot of the status quo. So we shared on a couple of podcasts about money, um, our journey. So um, Matt, you had £24,000 worth of credit cards, loans when we got together and we decided that we were going to pay it all off. I'd never paid off debt of that size before. I'd had a mortgage, but that was it. And so over the course of that, actually, that's led to the life that we live now because it was finding out about those habits and mindsets and it really broke everything down for me. But, you know, money is this thing that I know hugely triggers people. Like as in, if I describe a certain thing to do with money or a certain habit or a certain thought process, it can really bring up some deep rooted emotions in people for sure i find that money and weight like Mm -hmm. your body weight your body shape are two things that trigger people hugely and the reason i think is because we feel like we're doing our best Mm. or we feel like we're doing what we can right yeah and because potentially we're not achieving the type of results we're looking for and it's often hard work to make changes to the habits that we've learned over the course of our life okay then it triggers an emotional response because we're prompted to think about where we're failing or where we find things difficult. Mm. And what I notice is, like, we're in January now, Mm. and it's one of the toughest times, I think, for a lot of people. So a lot of people have got paid early, just before Christmas. Yes, the dreaded December paycheck. So you've got, like... 15 months before you're paid again which is a challenge <laughs> it can feel like, yeah. you've also spent money on christmas and therefore potentially you've got a little bit of credit card debt you need to tidy mm, up mm. so you're waiting for the next payday to come and maybe it'll take you a couple of months to clear that off um i, I think it's not been maybe as bad the last few years with different new year's parties and work parties yeah but you shouldn't have been out too much unless you're like the prime minister <laughs> so, so because of all of that kind of stuff yeah that means that you're in a position where finances for a lot of people are a little bit tighter. Mm, mm. Now, what we don't look at is the fact that Christmas turns up every year. Mm. We know it's going to turn up and we could potentially forward plan. But for some people, finances make it difficult to forward plan. So maybe your books don't balance as well as you'd like them to. Mm. And obviously you can address that, but put that to the side. If you're spending a few months clearing up the Christmas just gone. Yep. And then you're working on maybe clearing up the holiday that you paid for in March. You're always playing catch up. So it's quite difficult, I think. It's very easy if you're um, doing okay financially, you've got your things in line Mm. to be able to say, right, I'll plan for Christmas. I'll save up for Christmas. Mm. But for a lot of people, getting ahead of yourself 
is actually a bit more of a challenge because you've always got something you're trying to clear up. And actually the thing for us, I think because we were dealing with the debt situation, it meant that once we cleared that off, mm. then we were in a position where we could use that same money we were using to clear debt yep. to actually think about what we're doing moving forward mm. and the lifestyle we wanted and what we wanted to achieve. So one of the reasons I think I was able to leave the corporate workplace and us to become comfortable dealing with one income mm. was because we'd already focused on dealing with debt before right. and yep. therefore had less income available to us. Mm. So getting into good habits, I think, allows you to then roll those habits into new habits and more habits moving forward. Yep. But it definitely prompts a lot of emotional response and a lot of I can't do that and it's all right for some people mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. this is difficult and you don't know what it's like mm -hmm. when we've been there mm -hmm. lots of other people have been there and lots of people's stories are successful I, I don't know if you caught maybe I think it was a week or so ago as we record this um there was a, a famous celebrity on an interview had had made a comment like it oh, if you're homeless just go and buy a house and even you know as I was prepping for this podcast they just announced Oxfam had just announced their rankings of the wealthiest people and the economy of the world and the headline was basically the world's wealthiest double their wealth during the pandemic so I think what I'm trying to suggest here you have to be also very careful about the mindsets or some of the headline grabbers around money and that's what we're going to talk about and I always think that there's so much contradictory information out there on how to handle money and mindsets it's everyone's blueprint it's everyone's way that's got them through and works for them some maybe struggling area so they've got that mixed in with emotions some people are you know serving others and and getting value so they've got a business you know there's lots of different ways to do things and I also think that sometimes with money because in society we still associate it with our value in the place we've talked about this before right yeah, you're absolutely. assigned your wage and or your income and you believe that is my worth that is total bs belief system <laughs> i heard someone quote that yes i thought that was amazing and um, that's your total belief system that's not that's not truth and that's what i really hope actually in this episode we're going to share um, a lot of truths that i believe that we believe and remember truths for us is because we believe we've seen evidence and we're still seeing evidence of it you take them you i always say like a, the shifting of the sand you know when you're or like when you're making a cake with flour you've got to shift out the lumps so anything that feels good feels truth to you i would encourage you to explore it the first thing that came to mind is a really solid truth that i think changed a lot of the way that i thought the world worked was realizing that more money wouldn't make people or me in that case to feel any richer so I felt that as I went through the school and university and right into the job you know I followed the path this is what you're meant to do it felt like you were assigned a wage you know you were given it and therefore the bigger the wage you got well the happier you must be like these billionaires that I've just talked about in Oxfam well they must be absolutely super happy or they must have extorted that money from... Like, how did they get that rich while everyone else was suffering? Well, to you know, be fair, they're not that cash rich. It's just that it's the companies, companies that they own shares in have increased in value. Because we've been using Amazon, because we've been buying uh, but, Tesla's. But that's besides the point. I think that what you'll find is that money absolutely 
does not necessarily make you happier but our aim is always when we're in the workplace next promotion next mm. job mm. okay i've been here for a few years and there's no scope so i'm going to move somewhere else and i want a pay increase with it yeah it's always about that next step that next pay increase that next validation of mm. your value based on the finances mm. we also don't take into account the fact that the next job maybe brings more pressures more stresses exactly. more requirements of hours yep. and and kind of what are you exchanging for that money and a lot of the time it is your skills and your abilities but sometimes it's more of your time outside of work that you're giving up as well mm. but that's a whole separate podcast on its own yeah. i think <laughs> and they actually did a study about this so you go down this rabbit hole of happiness linked to money they did actually did a, a study a very famous study that said i think it was roughly about seventy-five thousand dollars in the us which is roughly about fifty thousand pounds over here where it didn't matter actually how much more you made over that kind of like your lifestyle in the UK or the US very you know affluent countries compared to a lot of the world exceptionally affluent then the extra money wasn't really adding to what you could do in your life or the happiness level now I will say though money and value if you are living with extreme extreme limited income my hope is always that this podcast whatever your circumstances that we can inspire you to think well you're not stuck there and I know there's a lot of people like through no fault of their own through circumstances that have happened are in x y and z that means that money is incredibly tight and it feels like there's no way out I would always say I believe in miracles and I believe that you know you'll find the right thing to do we're never stuck so I will just iterate that there's a lot of yeah. people you know we can, we can never forget that how privileged we are if we've got our bills all paid and you know we don't need to worry that is a privilege even in the uk that we have to be aware of well as you said money doesn't buy happiness it doesn't make you happier but there is a kind of a, a line i think what you have to get over mm -hmm. before you can start to appreciate the kind yes. of happiness yes. or lack of happiness that more money will provide you so if your bills aren't covered or you're struggling and you're there watching your bank balance in the last week of the month very closely to see whether you can afford to buy something to eat, then obviously more money will bring you more comfort mm. and more stability and that will therefore make you happier. But once you get to a point where you can pay your bills, you can have days out, you can have the odd takeaway that you want to if you want it or go out to restaurants, mm. you can afford to have a holiday with your kids once you've ticked those kind of boxes, and by the way, having a holiday isn't something that is a thing that we're all entitled to. You kind of, if you have that, then lucky you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that you can't have holidays or you shouldn't, but we shouldn't go into the default that having a nice car or a holiday or a, a big TV are things that we have an inherent right to. Mm. But if you do tick all those boxes, then in all likelihood, more money probably won't make you any happier. Because if you can afford to go on a holiday, if you can afford to have a car that you like on the driveway, if you've got your roof and your food and everything covered, and you're not really stressing about your bank balance towards the end of the month, mm. then more money will just mean that you can have a slightly different car, a slightly different house. But yes. that's not going to make you any happier, which is why I think the threshold and the, the numbers that you came out with actually makes sense mm. once you're ticking these boxes and you're comfortable you're not just really eyeing up this bank at the end of the month and saying can i afford to bit my shop today yeah. can i afford to make that happen is this payment going to bounce once you're past that then happiness 
it doesn't really associate with money anymore. Mm. I feel like I want to share the story. So we, it's nearly coming up to three years since you left the corporate world. And this was after, so I had a mental breakdown. I've talked about it on the podcast and YouTube channel. I was in hospital for three weeks. And so Matt and I were both earning full time incomes, right? The two boys and we were in full time, you know, decent salaries and things like that. And we made a decision after that, that actually we weren't going to do life the same way. We were going to take this as an opportunity. You know, sometimes life goes a little shake. And so it was just a couple of weeks after that, we decided one of us would leave work completely. And it ended up being that we felt that you were best suited actually to be with the boys through the school runs. I would keep doing my job and yeah, that we, worked we in our favour. Yeah, we looked at what would work best. And financially, it was better for you to work. Not by Marge, a huge amount. So that's what I was just going to cover there. When we made that decision, it was purely on the happiness factor of yeah. our home. So, and so it, was tight. it was tight. Finances were a little bit of it because I was travelling an hour each way mm, to work. Yes. Um, so 100 miles a day. And that costs money, although it wasn't like really ridiculous. Petrol prices were a little bit lower than they are now. (laughs) But um, it was more so on the lifestyle piece. So Mm. I was getting up at six and basically showering out the door. And then was getting home later in the day. So we explored that. And also I was maybe at home one, maybe two days a week. Mm, Whereas you were at home pretty much every day. And maybe you did one day or a half day in the office a week. So we looked at all of those kind of things. And it made sense mm. for you to be the one working. So we just decided it was purely lifestyle based and also not needing to worry about how childcare yes. um, was yep. and all the rest of it. And it was one of the best decisions we made. Obviously, we yep. had a yep. huge pay cut relatively. Yep, we, we basically, it was basically 50%. It was because yeah. we were compatible. So half our income disappeared. Now, we did lose a few <laughs> expenses around like the travel and stuff like that. Yep, yep. Um, so it probably ended up more like 30 or 40% decrease in income net result. Mm. But it was a pay cut. We had less money in the house, less scope to do things, mm. less scope to be able to do those kind of add-on things like holidays and, and stuff like that. But it was the right decision for us. We yes. decided to trade quality of life for, for cash, basically. Absolutely. And every month, things that kept, kept coming up, they, we found income. Like, income would come in, like, you ended up getting, like, a bonus from for leaving work for redundancy. There was always, there always seemed to be money coming in to fill the need. And every single month, like, Mama for, for our YouTube was certainly not making really anything that would make a huge difference. It wasn't comparable to your wage. But every single month when things needed paid, they were paid. And this leads me on to my second point. Money is hugely emotional. It's built on a relationship between two people and I'll go over that. The other thing that I've realised that actually money is the effect, not the root cause. So let me explain. So what we do, what we create to get that money, it could be a pile of stones, you know, or whatever. It's actually the value that we bring to the world, how we help other people. I've shared this a couple of times on the podcast, that it's all about, you know, a relationship. You can't do something, I can. So what can we use as a, a kind of measurement of guarantee that I could then go and with someone else get a different service? So that's where money came from and it's been you know actually I think I said in a podcast recently how that in some island they actually use these big stones as money <laughs> and what they actually do is their the families will display their stones 
and nobody steals them, even though they know that would be money. And it's used in uh, rituals and ceremonies rather than actually you know, buying stuff. But these stones are their monetary system. And I think we allow money to be the cause, or so we believe. So, see, when I have more money, I will then feel a certain way. But actually, it's never part of the equation. Money is just the, app, the effect of but what you do in the it's, world. It's the same as when you're looking at your job and looking for the next pay increase and the next position upwards. Mm. You say to yourself, oh, when I get the next one, then that'll be great. But the moment you have the next thing, mm. you're looking at the next thing after that. So when you have more money, all that happens is that you, you fill other gaps or you expand what you already have. And then you're waiting for the next pay increase and the next pay increase. That's why like, I always suggest to people, whenever you're doing things with your money, if you get a pay increase, mm. the best thing to do is to say, right, what am I not doing that I want to do? Yep. Rather yep. than how can I enhance something that I'm already having and, and paying for? Why pay an extra £100 a month for another car when you're happy with your current yep. car? Yep. When that £100 a month you could spend on maybe some kind of hobbies or maybe even if you get a decent enough pay rise, maybe you can drop down to four days a week so you have more time, longer weekends, mm. to be able to do some of these trips and activities with your family or by yourself. This is an area that I think with money that we really get driven on its value mm. and then also demonstrating our value based on what goods we have based on that money. I mean, that's that's how the whole kind of marketplace of nice cars and designer clothes and everything works. Yes. And there's nothing wrong yes. with that. Yep. You like a designer thing. Yes. I like a designer thing. But... I like oh, beautiful things. I like beautiful, like to look at all beautiful things. But what you end up with is we almost end up trying to justify our existence by mm. saying, look at what I have. This is my value here. And also remember that this value that we're demonstrating actually isn't true. Mm. Because the person that's driving a £70,000 car may not and probably doesn't have £70,000 sitting in their bank account. Never know, yep. A majority of people that have nice cars are either they got it through their company or they are paying for it monthly, which means that they have £500 a month mm -hmm. available mm -hmm. or £500 a month that they've chosen to prioritise against things. doesn't mean that they have £50,000, £60,000, £70,000 for a car. The person that's got the latest phone... Mm -hmm. A majority of people didn't pay a £1,000 yep, for that phone. Before, yep, a majority yep. of the people are paying £40, £50, £60 pounds a month. Mm -hmm. So actually, this demonstration of wealth that we have doesn't really demonstrate anything. No, for all the same as well. And so money is hugely emotional and spiritual. So we talked about that trust relationship, right? And that's where a lot of issues come also in a lot of economies where have you, you've heard in some African countries the inflation is... No, it's, it's, it's not it's our five percent or something, but like it's crazy. It's like they have trillion, <laughs> trillion value notes, and you know even things like if you want to get medical supplies, you're buying one tablet at a time because the price from one day to the next will vary, and you're you know it's dire straits. You're really thinking about what do I just need to survive, and will this note be worth anything? It was worth you know a bag of flour yesterday. It's worth a grain of salt today. So really dramatic, and it's all based on that somebody honouring that value and seeing that it will be worth something. And it, it really led me to think about the third point that I wanted to share with you, that we, could, we give money more credit than it deserves. We 
put money on this pedestal like it's created the good things in our life and I, I just believe that's not the case. I actually believe it's, you know, what you think and feel and say and how you interact with people that result in the good things in your life. Money is just like your time and energy. It's that kind of extra little secret sauce that makes things happen a little bit quicker, perhaps. And I think we can get stuck in the mind frame that unless we have money, we can't make something happen in our life. Things can happen in your life regardless of money. The money could appear, you could also connect with the right person, you could be at the right place at the right time, could have the right idea. There's a billion ways that you could make your thing happen. And I think there was a great experiment actually, and I can't remember who it was, but it was a pigeon experiment. I mentioned this in a video recently, it was really fantastic where the guy doing the experiment um, basically had a group of pigeons and he would feed them at random in intervals and the pigeons over time of course were trying to mimic the exact things they did to get the food so you know it was there wasn't any noise or anything it was literally a random generated feeder but if let's say when the food came down they were stretching their wings and what you would find is one pigeon would do that then randomly and sometimes the food would appear so it would overemphasize all right okay I shake my wings to get food and then sometimes it wouldn't another pigeon when the food came down maybe they were you know moving to a certain area oh, I think it's, it's this trait I think they've done it with humans as well where the whole point is we're trying to seek patterns yes and trying to see what behavioral prompts yes and then you feel like you've you've nailed it and you know exactly what it is that prompts it yes. when it's actually random. You're just trying to find patterns where there isn't any. Well, and I think with money, we can get set on ways that only money can come into our lives. So I can only get it through my job. This is what I'm getting at. So it's not just the randomness. It's kind of like the, the money was going to come to you if you know what I mean, because you have purpose, it's feeding you, it's keeping you alive. But we equate it with, oh, it can only come through if I go through my nine to five job. Um, oh no, I couldn't. Pull, I don't have the skill set to have, you know, a side hustle, additional hit income, in, investing. We forget that money's created. It's that trust relationship, and so that was one of the key things that when I actually realised I wasn't stuck inside this box of only money through my day job, I was like, wow, like I can literally think of all the ways I could help people or serve or not even not even expect to do something. Money can come through the letterbox even if it's meant to come to us it'll find a way and I sometimes think that that is a real deal breaker for people we assume that we know exactly how money or any resource will come to us when in fact there's a million and one ways that we can create well as you said we we give money more credit than it deserves because we're looking at what money can do mm -hmm. and I think that if we look at money and what it's done for us recently and what it's done for us in the past actually the money itself doesn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. So think about the car that you have now. Maybe it's a car that you really love and it's a little bit more expensive. I love expensive. my car. You know, I love You love my your car. car. It's a Fiat 500. <laughs> it's a nice little car. It's, it's brilliant. The kids go in the back. Off I go. <laughs> but the fact is that you enjoy driving that car. Mm. If I went out and replaced that car with a nice big Land Rover. I don't think it would feel the same. Right. And, and this interesting <laughs> thing, right? Well, you think about your holidays that you've yep. had. Right. And then you think about maybe trips that you had when you were younger. Yeah. Yep. And actually what you'll find is that how much you spent on your car, mm -hmm. how much you spent on your holiday, you can probably remember times when you were driving something a lot worse 
and had the greatest trip of your life with whoever it was in the car at the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were on a little road trip to a festival at some point in this little beaten down car, but it was the greatest time. Yep, yep. And maybe the holiday that you last had, maybe it was a big five-star thing to the Caribbean or somewhere, whereas you remember this trip, you went to a little holiday park in the UK with your family. Yep, yep. And it was the best time. So the fact is that we give money and the things it can do credit, mm. but actually it's more important about your mindset and your focus and, and how you want to be in a circumstance and how you want to appreciate something and see it rather than its value, its monetary cost, and and ultimately what it looks like to the outside world. Yeah. Because I bet you most people in their most recent car, which is probably the most expensive car, have probably had less great times in that car than they did three or four cars ago. Mm. And actually that brings me on to my next truth, that actually I think is one of the most valuable lessons as well that I've learned around money. This kind of like, you know, that little sprinkling moment that you're like, ah, I get it now. And one of the first things I will do if anyone asks for money help or money advice on a practical level is I will ask them if they got a purpose for their money. Like, show me within your spending, within your budget, what are we working towards here? You know, what are we building, what are we investing in? Literally, what are you using your money to invest in your future? And so I realized that for any of my resources, my time, my energy, I've got to have a vision or a reason for why I want it. So we notice a lot of people get their self-esteem from believing that a pile of money in the bank will suddenly make them feel secure or happy or all these emotions that money will never give you. But actually, I've always found in in our case, the moment that we've wanted to create something or we've had a particular purpose, that's when the money appears. It's never been to just have a bank account with £10 or £1,000 or whatever. It's always been, okay, we really want to create this in our life. We really want to, you know, make this happen or we feel inspired to do this or to share this. Okay, what do we need to make that happen? Okay, money is just one of those tools that does that. And that's when the money will suddenly appear or I'll have an idea. And I think that's a key thing. A lot of people, as you say, equate needing money to make an experience happen. But the moment you give purpose for why you want money or anything else, that's actually when almost you, you break down the blockage from actually getting it. Because let's be honest, if, you know, I think of it in a relationship like us with our kids, if you know, Sam or Nathan came to us and said, well, I want the latest video game. I'm just going to look at it. It's going to make me feel happy and special. Well, aren't you going to play with it? Aren't you going to enjoy it? Nope. I just, none of my pals have got it. I just want to put it on a display <laughs> and, you know, put yeah, it on my and wall. And you're like, I'm not buying that. that that's that's not how things work. And actually, when, when you're talking about purpose, so I think that if you say you want money for mm. the sake of money, then the chances are it's not going to turn up. But if you have a purpose for it, then it's more likely to turn up. So if you think about, let's say you've got a party or event to go to. Yeah. And you want to get a new outfit for that particular party. You will find a way to get that outfit. So whether it's because you fund it or because you find someone that's got an outfit that you can use and borrow and it looks great for it. But one way or another, you'll get that outfit. So because there's a purpose and a requirement and you have a vision for what you need and why you need it, then you will go to that party yep, with yep. an outfit that looks good on you. It doesn't make a difference where it come from or how you got it. It will just happen because your brain is focused on solving the problem. Yeah. Yep. Whereas money for the sake of money 
it's so woolly. There's no purpose to it. There's no drive. There's no, your brain isn't kicked into gear mm. to say, how do I make this happen? Because it's just money. There is no purpose behind it. So then the world, the universe, your brain, everything that is part of this machine to make things happen, just have no prompt to get started. Yeah. So you're not going to really make things happen without having a purpose and a drive behind it because then you start to get the wheels in motion mm, and mm. begin that machine of producing results, basically. Yeah, exactly. Leads me on to my six money truth, actually. Now, one of the reasons that I do what I do, I talk about money. You know, if you, you tune do, into the Mama Perfect channel on YouTube, I've been there for nearly four years. I talk about money, practical money and investing and entrepreneurship. And then it's been a joy to also include this on the Mama Perfect recently as well. My other passion, talking about well-being and prosperity. But one of the reasons that I've stuck around on YouTube, if you like, and that keeps, you know, those days when you're not motivated and you feel like, all oh, right, okay, I need inspiration, is because a lot of financial advice out there, advice and strategies, I will say, strategies, I believe is more damaging than does good. So let me let me explain. There's quite a lot of financial gurus, shall we say, out there. You know, they're doing, I know that they've got a, a good purpose and they believe their strategy is the absolute only one that will help people. And I, I think that passion is fantastic if you're the person creating something. But like, for example, I created a, a kind of principle-based strategy. It's called the Money Stacks Method. It's what we use personally, what, you know, what we use. It's what I teach. And it's more on holistic values and goals. It's not about, okay, you must pay off debt. You know, there's, there's very particular structures sometimes with plans that they say, you've got to do this. You've got to zero budget. You've got to pay off your debt. Um, £100, right, it's do, 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 really regimented. It's a step-by-step -step process. It's like a religion, as in it's these are the strict rules. If you do not follow them, you're out. I kind of see it as money in the true nature of it is more about what are the habits and the mindsets we're creating. And why I say a lot of financial structures, I believe, do more damage than good is I believe they're very similar to weight loss plans, okay? There's only one equation that will work in weight loss and if you want to grow more money or have more money. Do you know what that equation is? <laughs> it's your balance between in and out. Exactly, right? Okay, this is not rocket science. There's one equation. If you want to lose weight, what's the, well, Matt has um, certificates in personal training. You know this equation. Your calories in have to be balanced with your calories out if you want to maintain your weight. Yep. You want to lose weight. I'm afraid you have to exert more. Your calories out have to be more than what you're putting in because you've got to create that deficit of eating yep. and then the flip around. It's the same with money. Okay, if you spend everything you make, you're not going to, there's going to be no overflow. There's nothing left over. If you save, so what comes in, you've got actually some left over. You're not sending it all out. Over time, oh, it's a miracle. You're going to get richer. So anyone built on those fundamental principles can say this will make you wealthy. This will make you richer. Okay, but like some of the weight loss systems, um, you know, we can think of Weight Watchers. This isn't sponsored by any of these. Weight Watchers, Slimming World. They're all trying to get you to achieve that very same thing in different mindsets, though. And I think 
with the mindset, if something teaches you that there has to be scarcity and lack, you should feel guilty, you should absolutely, you're not good enough, you should, you know, live on rice and peas. If they make you feel like you've got to do that, that should be a huge trigger warning. Like just in the same way we, you know, unfortunately people can develop eating disorders off the back of some of these things. I believe there's like money disorders that some of these mindsets can really create that you've then got to go and heal and undo. Well, remember, we're all looking for the answer. So everyone... And we don't want it simple either. We don't want it... Well, we want it to be laid out to us of guaranteed to work. So you have the friend that did this particular diet. So therefore, that diet really works. Mm. And then you go try it and you find out it doesn't work. So you're saying, oh, see, this kind of diet doesn't work for me. Mm. And then you see someone else has done another diet or there's one in a magazine and you try that and it doesn't work for you. And then you say, well, you know what? I just, I can't do dieting. I can't look after my food. But what's happened is you followed a plan Mm. and then you followed another plan based on the fact that other people have had success because their mindset's in a particular place or they like particular foods where you don't or they have discipline in certain areas where maybe you don't. And because you can't do it, then your brain gets messed up in feeling like you're a failure and not able to do stuff. When in actual fact, all you've been shown is a a bullet point list of what you should do rather than the fundamentals behind it. Mm. Because every diet works. Whether you're on Slimming World or Weight Watchers or kale milkshakes or whatever it is you want, every single diet works if the calories going in are less than the calories going out. It's really, really simple. Every financial plan to either get you to save a certain amount of money or get you out of debt works. The difference with, I think, financial plans is unlike diet where you can start anywhere and the habits kind of work the same regardless. Whether you're a stone overweight or 20 stone overweight, doing a plan will get you there. It's just the amount of time you spend. Whereas on financial plans, what you'll find is that there's people that have strategies and ideas about what you should follow. But you don't know where they were when they started. They could be in different places. And when you start, that Mm -hmm. actually makes a big difference to how quickly you can do stuff. And like your income could be different to my income. Whereas with calories, everything's kind of in a similar kind of ballpark. But someone's salary could be £20,000. And then someone else who's selling something could have a Mm £50,000 salary. So, of course, their numbers are going to look very different. But also not one plan is right for everybody just because it worked for someone it doesn't mean that you need to package it and sell it first of all so if you're out there thinking oh you know what i managed to get rid of my debt follow my plan well that's not necessarily something that's going to work it's actually i think sharing the fundamentals and the kind of overlying principles behind something of understanding that's the stuff that actually adds value to people Mm. knowing how a diet works knowing to say to yourself you know what, the best thing I can do is download something like MyFitnessPal and actually track, scan the barcodes of everything I eat, mm. weigh things so I know what things are for a period of time and actually know what's going into my system to pretty much the the gram and the calorie and then know what my output is so I can balance it. Mm. The same with your finances as well. You look at exactly what's coming in, you work out what's going out And then once you know those numbers, then you can work out what to exclude. So with a diet, you say, you know, I'm going to get rid of that packet of crisp. I'm going to get rid of that chocolate bar. With money, you say to yourself, right, I'm going to get rid of that subscription. I'm going to maybe change the vehicle I have, or I'm going to maybe have haircuts less often or less takeaways or whatever it is. But it's very easy to do when you know the fundamentals Mm -hmm. and you actually get the principles behind it. And that's, that's the thing I love about the way that you're teaching things 
It's not about follow this plan. At no point have you said, we got rid of £24,000 of debt and we did it like this. So you need to follow this same method. Instead, it's really teaching those ideas about the balance of things and the thought process and the mindset and having purpose, which then drives you to have better behaviors. Because as you mentioned, I think that you can cause quite a lot of damage by saying this is the only way, because then you try it. You may be fine. It doesn't work for you. Mm. You fail. And then you just think that you're not very good at it or that you can't change the situation at which point then you feel stuck. Mm. And, and that's not a great mindset for anybody in any circumstance. Mm. Immediately while you were talking, another point I wanted to say was it's the quality of the strategy as well. So I'm very much with my own eating style. So I've, I'm pretty much 90% vegan. I've probably been for two or three months consistently. And it's the same kind of with the money strategies that I, I kind of figured out or what felt good. It was never about, oh, I want to make this change because I want to lose weight or get fitter or healthier. Why I feel like it's become a lifestyle for me is because from the word go really with it, it felt like I was just going with the flow and what was natural kind of truths. I've done the whole kind of like tracking on my fitness pal thing. I actually don't believe that's good and healthy for, for me. I feel it can kind of, it's too much over analysis. But I know, like you said at the start, the awareness of what I was eating and choices. And so why I ended up like on more of a vegan diet is because the way it made me feel and that's one of the key things with money advice is how do you feel because I know I could live the lifestyle with my diet you know my eating habits and our money habits for the rest of my life quite happy I don't need to think about it every budget day and say you know this this and this and I would say whatever you're following check for the health in it so yes you could go to McDonald's once a day eat one meal and drop maybe two stone, three stone over the course of six months or whatever, if you were in deficit. But would the quality of that diet end up with your body actually being better, healthier, stronger as a result? I don't know. I think you'd be missing a lot of nutrients. And it's the same with money diets or money regimes. If you're like, what is it adding in terms of your strength, your mindset, how rich how, how rich, I love that, that came to me. How rich, how quality dense is what you're following with your money is really key. And that leads me beautifully on to the seventh money truth. And I've touched upon it, Matt, as well about, you know, tracking of where you are. Number tracking is good, but what I would say again, it can lead to a lot of triggers and just like altered thinking that you believe it will give you these emotions and a a sense of security in your life so what I mean is just in the same way like weight loss metrics oh I've lost a pound this week I've lost two yay oh I've not I've put on four pounds okay so why did you put on those four pounds well actually you had quite a big carb meal the night before your body will get rid of it so we look at the metrics like your net worth has been one that a lot of people measure every single week every single month it going up it's going up it's going down and you can also see your debt free date the amount of debt you have the income you have even we look at all these metrics again and we assign them that we believe they'll give us more security or value or proving our value in the world now what is that information actually telling you 
It's not the number, but what's it telling you? Well, is it actually telling you that you are improving your habits? Good. Well, maybe I don't need to track my net worth now. Maybe instead of every month, this thing showing that I've gone from, you know, 10 pounds to 12 pounds, maybe I need to focus on actually ways that I can bring money in or giving, you know, open up that habit and that mindset change or investing. And I think a lot of also money plans focus on these external metrics, And just like weight loss, just like a diet, I think that can lead to a lot of compulsive behavior that again, doesn't serve you in any way. What are the actions that it's driving you to do? Metrics can be useful, I think, if they're driving decisions and behaviors off the back of it. Mm. So in weight loss, if you're focused on trying to lose a couple of pounds a week or a pound a week, then obviously your water consumption and if you're a woman time of the month and also what types of meals you've eaten and things like that yep. will determine some of what your weight is on the scales so it's not necessarily going to be a linear process but you can still have these kind of targets and you can track things and the same with money if you're trying to get rid of your debt then knowing where you're up to is a, a good thing but what you'll find is unless that information is giving you something where then you can action off the back of it yes then it's pointless information so i remember when i was working in corporate and we did this report and that report and this information and a lot of the time it felt like we were producing numbers just for the sake of it is anybody actually going to look at this does anybody care because information stats knowledge is pointless if it's not going to drive action so knowing your net worth That to me is just basically putting the little badge on yourself saying Mm. I'm worth this today. Who cares? Mm. If your net worth goes down or up or if it's 10 pounds or 10,000 pounds, who cares? Like what what behavior is it driving in you Mm. if it's not quite where you want it to be at a particular point in time? And I would argue that for something like net worth, it's not really going to do anything. It's not really going to drive you to do anything or change anything. Whereas seeing how you're tracking against your debt potentially might change your behaviors it might say oh you know i'm getting closer to clearing off the debt Mm. so i'm actually going to be super focused because of rather than it taking another six months i could get it down to four months but can you see how it's driving an action the information and the knowledge it's productive and also if you play around (laughs) with numbers you can see how quickly you can achieve something and the same as diet you can say oh wait a minute i lost three pounds this week for whatever reason Mm. and i'm going to analyze how i lost it and why i lost it and then see whether that's sustainable and again it's driving action it's driving thought around it which makes numbers useful i think numbers for the sake of just looking at something is quite pointless i mean it's it's nice to know certain things but i don't think it should be something that we're driven to Mm. really focus on and keep an eye on i actually think the, the key is only focus on those numbers where you feel like you can influence them or which drive new decisions that you're making moving forward. Mm. So if you're looking to move house, then absolutely it's time to look at the numbers, look at how your income and outgoings are working and work Mm. out what you want to afford or what you can afford and what you're going to do next. Is it Mm. possible to make it work? But beyond that, then you probably don't need to analyze all that stuff again if you've got a fairly static budget. So it's, it's just important to make sure that you're not bogging yourself down with stuff and, and trying to almost get emotional uplift mm. from things that actually don't matter. Because the same way you can get emotional uplift from something, if it's not quite tracking how you like it, then it can also put you down emotionally. Mm, mm. That how many people weigh themselves fairly often 
and their mood for the day is driven by what the scales have done. Yes, exactly. Like if you're in that yeah. kind of position with your money, weight, or anything else in life, then probably you need to take away that measurement. Yep. Because if it's driving how you feel that heavily and it's not driving what you do mm. to manage that situation, then it's it's an unhealthy metric, I mm. think, to be following. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's key. Like, in terms of a lot of metrics, I... I don't really track a lot of our metrics. Like once in a little while, I might look at our net worth or so. Like I think initially, as I say, it's helpful kind of giving you that little push. But I very quickly realised a lot of the metrics didn't mean, or they didn't change how I felt anyway. So it's great knowing, you know, well, I'm worth this amount. Okay. It didn't change any way I felt about the journey. For me, it was more about, well, how am I consistently showing up with my money? Am I a giver? Am I, you know, making sure that if I see someone and I feel the prompt that actually I'm meant to give some money to that, that I'm honouring it? What about investing? I'm investing in, you know, the quality of food we eat, what we do. So it's the micro habits for me rather than some random, you know, badge or something. But, you know, it's like anything. As we come to the end of this podcast as well, these are seven of the higher truths, if you like, one of the most important truths that I found on our journey. I know you have too, Matt. And so at the end of this podcast, now I'm going to set you a challenge, <laughs> as I always do. If there's been any of these seven that have really spoken to you and actually made you think, oh, that feels more aligned to what actually feels good about money. I'm going to ask you to leave us a comment and tell us which one meant the most to you or truly kind of let's hit something within you. And also, you know, think about what would you like to believe in that area? What are you going to choose to action in your life? Um, it's always my hope that if we share what we believe and are seeing evidence of in our life, I like to rock the boat. <laughs> You do, I you like, definitely like to run I just back. like to, when somebody tells me that there's only one methodology, I go, ah, is that really? That doesn't, that doesn't feel like that's quite the truth there. So I'll, you know, I love to celebrate where if you've got some truth about money that's working for you or one of these seven that you know is working, um, especially in your life, just like our life, I'd love to know in the comments on the Mama for our YouTube channel if you're watching there. So that being said, as always, this has been a delight. Thank you so much for watching or listening, wherever you are. If you've enjoyed today's episode, why not, if you're on the YouTube channel, give it a thumbs up. You can also hit subscribe. If you're listening, um, especially, we've got a back catalogue of how many? I always ask this at the I think we've got 85 other ones. 85. That is two, three, four full days of listening. That That's is a lot a of listening. So if you are watching on the Mama Furfo channel, yep. then if you fancy listening to something when you're doing the housework, or on your going commute, walk, going gym. over your money on a spreadsheet, <laughs> then just it plug us on. in, have a listen. We're across all the platforms yes. that do podcast things. So you'll find us wherever you feel like. Exactly. And actually, I'd love if you'd maybe send this episode to someone. If they're just really struggling with money, this could, just one line of this podcast would maybe just speak to them in some way that we could never imagine. So thank you so much for watching and listening today. We'll speak to you very soon.